Thank you, Jen. I appreciate it. Good to see everybody. Good to get to sing with y'all. And um, yeah, I'm excited to share this morning. Uh, I'm. Uh, what I wanted to share with you all is um, a collection of essays that I'm getting a lot out of. I've been sharing lots of collections of essays lately. So if you know anybody is interested in like short reading because books are so long, but that maybe like make you think. Uh, think deeply and in new ways about God or about prayer. I, I have a new one for us today. So I'm going to show you guys here up on the screen. This uh, collection of essays that I've been enjoying lately is called Partnering with God, Exploring Collaboration in Open and Relational Theology. I highly recommend this. It's really, really great. Uh, before we're done uh, today, we'll make sure that you uh, get a link to that in the chat if, you're, uh, if, if you like what we uh, talk about today and want to hear more. Um, but uh, there's one essay in it that I want to zoom in on today, and it's from a writer and pastor whose name is Libby Tedder Hugis. And she reflects on uh, one of the parables from Jesus, uh, the one that says, The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread, even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour. It permeated every part of the dough. I wonder if that's a... That's a parable that you've maybe heard before, if you've ever been in churches before, or just, you know, that, that, that was one that's kind of ingrained in the collective consciousness, right? You know, like, kingdom of heaven is like yeast, and it's just a little bit and spreads through the whole amount of dough. So, um, Tedder Hugis, this writer of this particular essay, um, she suggests some modern day renderings that I really love. So I'm going to read them for you because I think they're great. Uh, she says this, so the kingdom of God is like a woman coding a computer program. Even though the algorithm was simple, it infiltrated every part of the hard drive. I like that. I like that. I think Ezra, my son over here, might like that one because he's been working on coding in school. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't really get that. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> the other ones that uh, Tedder Hugis recommends are the kingdom of God is like a woman who posts a meme that goes viral even though its intention was minor, it blew up beyond her expectations and seeped into the consciousness of everyone in her social network. That's a good one, right? That's really good. That's, that's modern rendering of the yeast parable. Uh, there's one more. She says, the kingdom of God is like a woman who timidly whispers a truth at a justice demonstration. Even though she only intended it for the one next to her, it caught fire and spread through the whole crowd until it was being chanted passionately by all present. That's a good one too. That one's really good. So um, uh, Libby Tedderhuga, she, uh, she pr also prefers, um, as she writes this essay and refers to this parable, uh, using the term kingdom over kingdom to get at Jesus's message. So kingdom, K-I-N-D-O-M, dropping the G in the word kingdom. And this is an elaboration that uh, many theologians are trying this day uh, as a way to separate what Jesus is talking about in the Gospels from a lot of the bad connotations we have today with kingdoms and abusive versions of power that we just can't help but think about those things. So uh, Tedder Hugis and many others use the phrase kingdom to try to get at more like the family feeling. So she, he, I'm going to read one more thing from her essay because I think it's great. She says, uh, kingdom is an alternative to the more widely used kingdom. Kingdoms are dominions where power is hoarded at the top of a sliding scale of power. Kingdoms determine 
who carries the power based upon a variety of factors, including birthright, sexual identity, gender, social class, financial acumen, and or popularity. In kingdoms built on hierarchy, the power only trickles down to those who hold status, wealth, ideal social pedigrees. There are few partnerships, she says, in kingdoms. On the other hand, kingdoms are realms where all perceive themselves as siblings in God's family, sharing the power to act and influence and change and cooperate amongst each other. Every sibling is a partner in the kingdom of God and knows their inherent worth and dignity because they are created and imprinted with God's image. Power is identified according to creative capacity, imaginative ability, enthusiastic willingness to respond. In the peaceable kingdom, every sibling is a partner devoting themselves to the flourishing of creation with God and all the other partners. So again, reading the parable with, with this uh, kingdom idea, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Ooh, that's good. I like that a lot. So I, I love this, uh, and I, I wanted to share it with us this morning, particularly because of the way it encourages us to think about God and about prayer. So each moment, I think what we're getting here with this idea, each moment God presents God's whole self to us. All of God's presence and resources and ability to permeate our experience for us, every moment is there available to us and the next moment and the next moment, and then this moment, and then the moment now, and then the moment now, every one of those moments, God, whole self is available to us. And just a small amount of prayer in response to, or in cooperation with this God's presence with us, just a small amount allows God to then permeate everything. God is always fully present and a small amount of response will take that little bit of yeast and spread it through the entire dough. Every potential decision or task or interaction or emotion, not just some that we experience, can be permeated by the whole of God's self. Each moment is a chance to feel the living God of love guiding us. It only takes a small amount of response or cooperation in prayer. So I think about uh, a time many, many years ago, um, it's a bit of a funny, but also meaningful story uh, that I had at a wedding of two friends of mine. Um, so a wedding, right? Hooray, weddings, everybody's so joyful and happy, except I was miserable. <laughs> and I was trying to fake it till I made it um, at the wedding, but I, I was not doing a great job. I, I disliked work at the time. I disliked school at the time. I disliked not being in a relationship because I thought I was awesome and I should have been in a relationship. I, and because of all of this, I felt like I could not access God. I was just miserable. And uh, while I'm at this wedding, an older friend of a friend, this is a guy who I, actually I looked up to because I'd, I'd known him from a distance. Like we, we knew each other, but he was really the friend of my friend. And um, I felt really seen by him because he noticed me not being able to hold it in um, and like struck up a conversation with me. Um, and so he, he came over and he came, he's talking to me and he asked me, do you, do you pray? He asked me. And I was like, yes, um, but not lately, <laughs> because I explained, I was just that uh, everything's kind of stupid and miserable and I don't feel like I can access God. And then he asked me a very interesting um, 
very unexpected question after that. He said, do you cuss? <laughs> and I was like, um, yes, I do. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, do you cuss when you pray? And I said, uh, I've, I've not really thought of that. And, uh, and he proceeds to tell me, he said, you should just call it praying when you cuss in frustration at life. Like, just call it praying. Uh, consider yourself in the presence of God when you're doing that. And like, God is there for you, feeling the frustration. He's, he's sharing the frustration with you, God is. God is hearing you fully, never turning you away uh, because uh, like you're too much for God. God doesn't feel that. God is like, great, I'm with you. Cuss away, be frustrated. And that rearranged things for me when uh, this, this lesson was offered to me. Uh, I loved it because that was a small thing that I could do. I, I already was, as uh, he asked me, <laughs> and uh, and uh, like it was the idea of like uh, on the yeast terms. I already had the yeast in the kitchen. You know, I just need to pull it out and add it to the dough and let it work its way through. This is a small thing I could do, and in short order, it did feel like that's exactly what happened. I no longer felt that the things that were frustrating me about work and school and any relationship status that I may or may not have been in, uh, I no longer felt that that was blocking my experience from God. Those things were still there. I still had this misery, but it wasn't making it difficult for me to experience God. I just imagined God with me sharing in the frustration every time certain four-letter words bubbled up for me to say. Uh, I felt like God was listening to me. God was empathizing. God could ask good, you know, curious questions, could ask probing questions, could challenge me even and to reframe in a healthy way when I was in that space. So that experience for me matches the spirit of these essays, like the one that I've taken us to again about the yeast and the, and the, uh, and the dough. Partnership with God. I, I think that the, this example that I'm sharing from my life was a partnership. There was, there was something going on where God was presenting God's self to me in ways that we were both partners in something happening and not this, uh, not some of the other things that we might I don't know, uh, default to. So as we point out here at, at uh, BLC, this kind of picture of partnership with God, it, even though it's straight from the teaching of Jesus, this is not necessarily the conventional way that people are taught to understand God or prayer in American Christianity. So if you've been around churches at all in America, or even just like anywhere in the West, in Britain, or in, you know, uh, somewhere, somewhere that was colonized by the West and received messages from very American Christian sources, you're not actually taught to think about partnering with God. Maybe we'd use that phrase, but there's a lot of things that if you pull the thread of those conventional ways of thinking about God, it really feels like there's this massive power distance and it's not a partnership at all. It's us being like sternly treated by someone much bigger than us. So conventionally, I think what we get is God high and above and occasionally drops down into our existence, right? To, to intervene with that all controlling power. Every once in a while, God will come down and do that. But otherwise that all controlling power seems to be on the back burner, especially when I need it. What's up with that God, right? God is lofty and mighty and if we're in God's presence, we should feel eternally lucky to be so because God doesn't really have time for us. God is so high up there and important. Oh my gosh, I just, I'm so lucky to be in that God's presence because I really shouldn't be with that God. Conventionally, we don't really think of prayer as a partnership, but Jesus's message, I think, 
about God, about prayer, is very much is a picture of partnership. And I think we I think we can see if we can set aside those conventional pictures of God. I think what we see if we look just at Jesus, try to set aside those pictures, the high and high and, and mighty God, the out in the future God, what we see is that God is not distant. Jesus said the kingdom of God the kingdom, kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom, the kingdom of God is within us. It's among us. It's on its way. It's broken into the present. According to Jesus, God is not high up in the sky with all controlling power. Jesus's life was a testament that true power doesn't have anything to do with all controlling or dominance. It is loving and luring and persuading and influencing and healing. This is what we see shown in the power that Jesus shows us. According to Jesus, God is not out in the future waiting for us to catch up to like the predetermined plan or order of things. Jesus never explained away people's suffering. He treated people who were suffering. He saw them for what they were experiencing and empathized with them. God, I think again, is in each present moment with us, presenting God's whole self to us, calling us to a partnership so the divine can permeate like yeast every part of what we are currently facing. And what a gift if that is the partnership that we feel when we are in misery or when we are in trouble or when we are in concern or confusion. Like I, like I, I think what a gift when this was my situation when I feel like I need to cuss. <laughs> the God of the universe who sees far more than I do who is far more wise than I am, who can hold in this God's mind all the complexities of what has led me to where I am and the misery that I might feel or the trouble that I might feel or the, uh, the frustration that I might feel in any given moment. This God can hold in mind all of the things that led to that. And this God can hold in mind all of the endless possibilities of what might be to come for me next. Even though I can't do that, even though that overwhelms me, even though I feel so like, I just want to shut my brain off and watch Netflix because I'm so tired at the end of the day. This God can hold all of the possibilities of what might come and doesn't feel the wire tripped. This God can hold it and can stay with me and bring me an ability to stay there that I cannot bring to myself. This God is always bringing their whole self to me, to partner with me, looking out into that uncertain future, celebrating with me when my battles are won, consoling me when my battles are lost and bringing about renewal after loss, resurrection after death. So to me, I, I love this. I think this picture of God as a partnering God is really powerful because it can hold up in a reality of a world that is full of disappointment, that is full of pain and uncertainty. But it also encourages me to trust that God is powerful to help me is always bringing God's whole self to me, never withholding. There's the, another parable from uh, Jesus, another teaching from him where he says, what kind of a father, if their kid asked for bread, would give them a stone instead? And then he says, referring to God as a father, how much more will your heavenly father give to you and never withhold from you? I do want to say that an unfortunate thing, as we're talking about leaving behind conventional understandings of what God is like, an unfortunate thing in American Christian circles is that we often actually talk about God as though God withholds to teach us lessons. I wonder if you've ever heard that message. God is withholding from you in a given moment to teach you a lesson. 
I wonder if you've ever heard that. That's the way many Christian books, Christian teachers, usually try to help us make sense of the realities of disappointment and pain and uncertainty. They encourage us to interpret those times as God withholding from us or God hiding God's face from us for some mysterious reason to teach us a lesson. Even though Jesus seems to say the opposite, that God would never give us a stone when we ask for bread. But the reason I think that Christian books or Christian teachers often turn to this idea of God withholding is because they're tied to this picture of God that is that high in the sky, all controlling God, out in the future, determining the story. If God's power is high in the sky, if it's out in the future, then the only way to make sense of a disappointment or pain or something that doesn't make sense, the only way to make sense of that is God must be withholding. There must be some mysterious reason God is doing that because God wants to teach me a lesson. But I think, I think like Jesus thinks, that's a mistake because it leads so many of us to question God's love, so many of us to question God's goodness. If that's what it means that God has power, then like, I can't tell you how many people I talk to as a pastor who struggle with feeling angry at the high in the sky God, who struggle with feeling angry at the out in the future God. Because you know what the, the, the classic uh, phrase is when that happens? Why didn't you intervene? in this moment of struggle or in this moment of fear or in this moment of suffering, right? How can God claim to be loving? And that is exactly the right question to ask when we think that God is this high in the sky, out in the future God. If that's what a powerful God is, yeah. Why didn't you intervene, all controlling God? We are right to ask that question because if there is an all controlling God, if there is a God that's out in the future determining the plan, well, that God doesn't feel loving. So this is why I ask us the question, what if we instead have Jesus as God, which is not the high in the sky, out in the future God, determining everything. True, we have to deprogram. If we are deprogramming ourselves from the all-controlling, all-powerful, up-in-the-sky God, well, as a result, we have to give up our own grand delusions of grandeur for our own dominating, controlling, deterministic power. You know, all of those times that we ask ourselves, if I were in charge, fill in the blank, right? We have to give up that. We have to give up. If God's not like that, well, we certainly won't be like that. As a result, though, aren't we tired of anyway of the empty kinds of power being abused by people in authority? Aren't we, aren't we tired of deterministic, all-controlling power settled at the top of some organization. Isn't that we like, why we like the phrase kingdom more than kingdom these days? Because we're done with those kinds of power. They don't show us love. They don't give us a picture of what God is really like. Jesus's picture of God is a better God, a reliable God with whom we don't have to feel stuck in a rut being angry at. We can feel angry with this God. God joins me all those years ago as I'm cussing my frustration out with four-letter words. God joins you as you are upset at the circumstances in your life. You don't have to shake a fist at God and say, why, God? You are shaking a fist with God. God is there with you. Like, why? Oh, all of these stupid circumstances that have led to my friend, my deep partner in life, this person I love, being in this situation. God is there with us, shaking his, their, God's fist with us. 
But not just that. Because God is not the same as us. We are not on the same plane. God is far more powerful and resourced and wise and present than we are. This God is the best help we could ask for for navigating the stories that unfold for us as uncertain or scary as they might be. To me, praying, praying for like, praying for a, a change, praying for a miracle, praying for, for anything just takes on so much more purpose if God is partnering with me. Because I'm not submitting a request to a boss who may or may not grant my request based on their own arbitrary standards, but not taking into account anything I say. My prayers for healing for someone who's sick, my prayers for favor for the people who can decide whether or not to give me that job, my prayers for strength to get through another stressful day are heard by the God right next to me who also feels deeply and knows about what's happening and who has power that I do not to embolden me, to embolden others, to make change in the world. If something that we experience strikes us as miraculous or as like an answered prayer, it's not because the boss up high granted the request. It's the fruit of this on the ground partnership with the God of the universe, the God of love. If we don't see those things, the God we are partnering with is in the business of renewal after loss, resurrection after death. It is not because that God is withholding from us. That God is with us. And so the invitation that I leave us with for this week is to choose to partner with this God in small ways. Maybe just by starting, start recognizing, I was in a conversation earlier this week with somebody about this. Maybe just start recognizing that things you are doing, you're already doing, are prayer. Maybe the four-letter words that bubble up out of you sometimes. Maybe that's prayer. Maybe you can do that with God. Maybe you can shake your fist and ask why with God not at God. And then I think we can discover that God would never withhold from us. Life often withholds from us. The circumstances of how things play out are often cruel and unforgiving and un unexplainable. The suffering that we experience often doesn't make sense. There is no mysterious reason behind it. But God never treats us that way. And this God is powerful to be close to us. Just a little bit of yeast can allow that God to expand and spread through the entire dough, that we can feel that that God is not withholding from us, see that that God is presenting God's whole self to us in each moment. And this is what I hope for each of us to experience a little bit of this week. I wonder if that, uh, if that moves you. And again, if it moves you in particular to, to think about God this different way than maybe you've been taught growing up or maybe you've heard in other churches. Again, I'll mention and, may, and I'll ask uh, Allison, our moderator for today, to drop in the chat, uh, Partnering with God, a link to, to this collection of essays. Uh, I really think you might get a lot out of this if this, if this is sparking something in you that's different than what you've heard before. Uh, but from that place, I want to pray for us right now, even that we can experience this. So if we can ah, take a deep breath, uh, move our shoulders a little bit, uh, settle in. I've been like leaning forward because I'm talking and I'm like, got my notes in front of me, but I'm gonna, ah, I'm gonna take a deep breath. I'm gonna relax. I'm gonna take a deep breath with me, Ezra. I'm gonna pray. Yeah, maybe. He's thinking about taking a deep breath. Ah. And you can, as I pray, close your eyes or open your eyes, whatever helps you to feel um, settled, comfortable in this space. 
Uh, I'm going to pray for us. God, this might feel different than pictures of you that have been painted for some of us before. Or maybe this feels right on. Or maybe somewhere in between. Oh, that's not so far off from what I believed, but there are some differences. Wherever it is that each of us are interacting with what we've just discussed, there is a promise behind this idea there is a promise behind this picture of partnering with God that can attach us to feeling loved, feeling seen, and can do so even if our current circumstances right now we're really not happy with. Even if our current circumstances right now are making us the person who shakes their fist and is shouting why. God, would we be helped in this moment? I just, oh, anyone who feels seen in that space, I'm just going to encourage, I'm going to pray on your behalf. And so if you feel seen in that, you can take on these words as your own. God, would, would I be helped by, by like shaking my fist and asking why more at the universe or at life, believing that you are by my side rather than shaking my fist and asking why to you? Would I be helped by that? Would that unlock something for me? Would that help me feel more, less alone? Would it help me feel more seen? Would it help me feel more loved? For those of us who maybe have in mind the pain of somebody who we love, not necessarily the pain that we're experiencing or the, the uncertainty that we're experiencing, but we just see somebody else and we think, oh, they are in that dark, terrible place of just feeling angry How can we encourage them? God, how can you lure us in this space right now? If you're present to us in each moment, you're fully present to us. How can we hear your voice to be a loving and encouraging presence toward a better picture of you to our friend or to our family member that we have in mind right now? And then God, for those of us who don't necessarily feel in a, place of acute pain or, or, or major uncertainty, but this just like feels better than what we've heard before. This, this like settles in our heart more cleanly and, and with less baggage than things we've heard before. If we can just experience you validating that for a moment, God, I, I open, if, if that's you and I'm, I'm praying words that, that, that you're co-signing on, God, validate us right now for that. Validate us for for thinking that way or feeling this different way. I pray as each of us are, are in our own spaces, we're not together in the same room. And gosh, that's such a loss because it feels like sometimes like we can feel God more readily if we're all in the same place and other people are feeling God. But wherever we are, I just pray for an increased awareness that we are not alone, that there is a God of love with me. And as we bring ourselves back into, you know, out of the prayerful space, back into the engaged, listening, turning to others space, external space, not the internal space, 
Help us to do so in a way that carries with us anything that we've experienced in this time. Anything, anything with, with us that's like a little kernel of truth that's stuck with us or, or, a, or an emotion or feeling that is stuck with us. Help us now to move back into our communal online space as we spend the rest of this morning together. In Jesus' name, amen.